Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey everybody, it's Trags episode 14 coming your way of Jungle Roar, a Cincy football podcast. And this week, I welcome back the one and only James Rapine. He's doing awesome work covering the Cincinnati Bengals for allbengals.com. I got that right, right? You did. You nailed And it. Locked On Bengals is your podcast, daily podcast, the only daily podcast covering your Cincinnati Bengals, correct? Correct. Look at you. Yeah, Man, I'm, 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 I'm trying to... I'm trying to get all that down and get it accurate. Unlike me uh, recalling the last time the Bengals had a shutout. You get that joke, James? (laughs) I do. Mr. 2008. Wasn't 2008. Uh, No, it was not. It was against Johnny football. Yeah, it was. Johnny Manziel in Cleveland, 30 to nothing, as I found out when I actually looked up the media guide, the Bengals media guide online. So you live and learn, whatever. Um, You are the (laughs) first returning guest on the Jungle Roar podcast. Congrats. Wow. How about that? I'm honored. That's yeah, uh, how about that? That's I mean, it's almost like I'm on Letterman basically for a second time. This, yeah. is, this is a big deal. So, all right. <laughs> I didn't dress for the occasion. I'm in a sweatshirt, but it's uh, I didn't really dress either. Um, I just put on You're a, nice in a collared shirt. shirt. What? Yeah, I'm, I'm in a collared shirt, but no tie. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we got some business to talk about here with the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. You're four and two all alone in second place. Cincinnati Bengals trying to catch the Baltimore Ravens who are five and one uh, this season. It's going to be a great game uh, out in Baltimore at M&T Bank Stadium. I think it's going to be a great game. I think the Bengals will rise to the occasion in this game. They know what's on the line. Uh, But first, some breaking news on Monday night, and that was uh, news broken uh, by one of many outlets, ESPN included, and that is the news that the Houston Texans uh, are uh, intent on releasing Whitney Merciless, uh, an outside linebacker uh, turned defensive end, not to his liking down in Houston uh, this year. And uh, that means there's going to be an extra pass rusher on the market. And uh, I think I you made a great point on Monday night or and also today, Tuesday, as we record this, that he would be a terrific fit in what the Bengals could use in terms of depth in getting after the quarterback. Yeah, they just they don't have enough edge rushers that can put heat on opposing quarterbacks. And look, you can live with DJ Reader and BJ Hill and Larry Ogunjobi and those guys, you know, dominating on the interior. But outside of Trey Hendrickson, they don't have anyone they can bank on. Sam Hubbard right. isn't that. Uh, Joseph Osai got injured, and I think they were banking on him to be that, and he looked like he could be. Well, now he can. Obviously, he's out for the season. Cam Sample just isn't ready for that type of role. So, yeah, you're going to get Khalid Kareem back, but I don't think I saw that from him. I think he can give you some edge help, but bringing in a guy that you can use in a situational role that's played in playoff games, played in big games, has spent a decade in the league, that's kind of what they're missing on this defensive line anyways. And so why not, or, or at least at the edge spot, so why not bring him in? He can be a situational edge rusher. He's in a contract year where he's probably going to get or want to get one more big deal, he can come here. And much like a B.J. Hill or a Larry Ogunjobi, where they're going to be free agents this March, 
they have a lot to prove. And I think the fit would make a ton of sense. So uh, a couple things as far as acquiring him. The, the Texans, uh, they plan to release him according to the reports. I don't know if it gets that far. Much like Stephon Gilmore, guy you used to cover Great in call. New England. I, yep. I think someone's going to trade for him. And so I reached out uh, to Andre Perota, who's great with cap stuff. And it's going to cost about $3 bucks to trade for Whitney Merciless for the rest of the year against the cap. The Bengals have enough cap space. They have over $8 million in cap room. So they could make this happen. And I think a sixth round, seventh round pick could get it done. And, and so why do you do that versus wait for him to be released? So you don't have to compete with the Chiefs. So you don't have to compete with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or these contenders that are going to try to go after a guy who is proven, who in all but one of his his years where he only played five games in 2017 because of injury has had four sacks or more. So he's been consistent. He stayed healthy. And I think he's a guy that would give the Bengals a big boost. And he's been productive this year. He's got three sacks to uh, his credit, the uh, first round pick of the Texans. Back in 2012, uh, in March, the uh, 31-year-old Merciless restructured his uh, four-year, $54 million contract, making him a free agent after this season. The other thing, James Rapine, that I want to bring up in a case like this is the message it would send the locker room. And I always think, you know, we talk about it in baseball, moves being made at the trade deadline for the last two months of the baseball season. In football, I think it may be even more impactful because you have a tighter-knit group, a team, you know, it's only going to play 17 games together in the regular season when it matters. Um, and you have a case here where if you get a guy, you put him on a young team like the Bengals, up and coming, and has already shown some improvement, you add him to that roster, it gives them that much more momentum to think, hey, look, this the front office really does believe in what we're putting out on the field and does believe in our efforts so far. And I think it would go a long way in terms of taking this uh, Bengal defense to the next level. For sure. I, I agree with you 100% on the locker room stuff. And I'll, I'll give an example because uh, Andrew Whitworth was a part of that uh, run in 2011 right. through 2015, where they made the playoffs five straight years. And one thing he said, he's like, yeah, looking back and even in the moment, I thought that they should just go make that one move that was going to put us over the top. That's we knew we point. had a good roster. We knew we were drafting well. And if you're Joe Burrow, T Higgins, Jesse Bates, you know, whoever you want to say that's, you know, contributing to this, Oh, they're, they're going to go get this edge rusher. Hell, if you're Lou Anarumo, who's suddenly, coaching his, his tail off, it's a good way to jolt a, a team that, and I know this for a fact, they know they need edge help. So I, I wouldn't throw it out there if I didn't think it wasn't realistic. I think they know that they need to add someone if they can, if it's possible. And Whitney Merciless might just fall in their lap for a late round pick and, and low money. So not only does it help on the field, but like you said, it, it gives this locker room a jolt and lets everyone know that they're going to do what it takes to win. Yes, and I want to now move on uh, to another subject that's been talked about. I know you wrote about it. I wrote about it. Chris Evans and the kind of impact he has had and whether or not he has done enough to supplant Samaje Pirine as a number two back on the Cincinnati Bengals. Look, I don't think that a guy necessarily should lose his role because of injury or in this case, COVID-19 and illness. Mm-hmm. We're testing positive for it. But when you watch Chris Evans and you watch what he does and how he complements what Joe Mixon does, 
why wouldn't he be your number two back? He should be. <laughs> You're right. He should I mean, be. And I think going way back to rookie OTAs, it was like, oh, this dude moves different. I mean, I, I watched him run three or four routes and I was like, oh, like he's different and he's someone that is going to be able to contribute as a rookie. And I'll give you an example. A lot of Bengals fans looked at Puka Williams and was like, oh, it's this flashy toy. And yeah, he's trying to figure out wide receiver in the NFL. Chris Evans is about 50,000 times better of a route runner. And more advanced. Puka Williams. Absolutely. Way more. And, and so like when you have that plus his size, his instincts, I don't know how he didn't play more at Michigan, but he's... Uh, to me, he's like a, a second or third round type back with what we've seen. And he's so, Geo yeah, 2.0. I mean, it, it, he, it feels he like turning that into that. Yeah, and he's bigger. Like th- that's the other part of it. And and I think he's actually uh, a more natural route runner. I think he has more natural hands than Geo. You know, and and it's not just dump offs. It's legitimate routes where you can target him downfield, like we saw the other day. And the thing that really should give him the edge over Samaje Pirine. And the biggest letdown, I think, that we've seen from Pirine this year is the fact that pass protection-wise, he's gotten blown up a couple times where it's been ugly or he's made the wrong reads and Burrow's gotten blown up because of it. That can't happen. And so if Evans can do what Pirine can do in pass protection or be better there, well, then there's no reason why you shouldn't put him on the field for his pass-catching ability and what he can do in the passing game as well. Well, and on the long 50-yard pass to... Uh, Jamar Chase in the post, he did not pick up, I don't think it was a safety. He picked up an outside linebacker that was bearing down on Burrow on the right side, picked him up perfectly, uh, and allowed Burrow to step up just a half step to a step and make that throw downfield. It was really something to see, and it really stuck out to everybody. For sure. And, And those are the type of plays, especially in the first couple weeks of the season, that these running backs just weren't making. They were... They were missing, and there was a lot of sacks given up, and Burrow was getting hit, and sometimes it wasn't on the offensive line, and the offensive line took that heat. That has to change, and maybe this is part of it changing, is taking that a little bit of that burden off of Joe Mixon, who, you get it, you want him to be an every-down back at the same time. You need him to make these, those explosive plays. That's why you paid him the big money, and if Chris Evans can take some of that responsibility away and spell Mixon at times— Maybe it keeps Joe healthier, keeps him more effective, and, and gives this offense another wrinkle. Because I know if I'm the Ravens, now I have to be weary of number 25. And is he going to run a wheel route out of the backfield? Is he going to line up wide? Is he going to line up in the slot and beat a linebacker? Do we try to press him at the line? There's all these things you do not. Don Wink if, Martindale. Yeah, That's if you're right. Wink Martindale, you're not press. <laughs> After watching the Miami preseason game and watching how the Lions got burned, uh, in the first quarter on Cincinnati's first touchdown of the day, you are not pressing him at the line of scrimmage. I can't imagine they would. Well, I think Zach Taylor would welcome it, but you're right. Yeah, you, you, you don't want to do that. And and so now that you know that he probably won't get pressed, if you're Taylor and you're Callahan, well, now there's a whole other way you can use him. Drag him across. him on different routes. Yes. Yep. That's what I think. Um, I also, uh, speaking with James Rapine of allbengals.com, doing great work covering Cincinnati Bengals for SI.now. Also uh, a co-host of the Locked on Bengals daily podcast. You can get that wherever you subscribe to your uh, normal uh, podcast, along with Jungle Roar. I might 
throw that in there as well. Um, but I thought it was interesting that um, on Monday when we were talking to Chris Evans on Zoom, he brought up Gio Bernard and the, the cut-ups that the Bengals made for him of Gio. And they told him, go watch these. Go watch how he worked on blitz pickup technique. And it's those details that obviously have sunk into Chris Evans that makes him, I think, very not only likable to the fans on the outside, but very likable to the coaching staff working with him on the inside. For sure, because when you're drafting a guy in the sixth round, you want to see him put the the effort in. Like on draft night, I, I remember thinking like, man, he's got a shot here. Just looking at his testing, how he tested uh, and how the coaching staff was talking about him. But if he didn't show the the work ethic part of it and the ability to cut his teeth on special teams, which he had a bunch of big special that teams tackle plays from on behind Sunday is my well. favorite. Yes. Yeah. And so like he's making those plays and in making st- those plays and watching the cutups of Gio and, and putting in that effort behind the scenes is, is what's going to get him 24 yard touchdowns and get him on the field to make plays on offense. And you've seen that progression and, it really is kind of crazy to me to look back at that Michigan offense last year. I don't know why they didn't use him more because there's no way he just went to the senior bowl and figured out how to I have a theory, but <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, they don't know what words. the hell they're doing in Ann Correct. Arbor. Jim Harbor. I'm Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbor. Uh, Jim Harbaugh. I, I'm I'm not a fan. I've never really have been of Jim Harbaugh. I know they're right behind Ohio State in the uh, rankings right now in the AP top 10. Uh, neither team is as high as your number two ranked Cincinnati Bearcats. But uh, I digress. <laughs> I, see what I did there, James? That's I like, right. Go by Bearcats. the way, um, for those of you uh, watching this podcast on uh, YouTube and anywhere else, um, you can see to over James's right shoulder um, a very nice Cincinnati Bengals helmet. Yeah, you want to take that Bearcats. down? Bearcats. I'll take it down. A little Bearcats yeah. action. Yeah, Bearcats. Oh, did I say Bengals? I got a big head. You did, but okay, it doesn't you know, fit. Cincinnati Bearcats helmet. But this is this is an authentic one right here, man. You can see the scuffs and stuff. This is real. That is tremendous. Is there a story behind it? Uh, I interned for uh, a guy that you covered in New England, believe it or not, uh, Archaw Hawkins. Oh, and, okay, uh, sure. I sure did when uh, he cover when him. he worked at Fox Sports Radio. And yep. um, this, uh, well, I'll be quite honest. I, I, it was a gift that I kind of gave myself because as as he parted ways with the station, he left it there and it stayed there long enough. And I was like, you know what? Uh, I think Archel would want me to have this. So uh, he, he hasn't said anything about it yet. So uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's where this I, I really that's, like I it. Think, I think that's the first time I've told that story, by the way. Uh, we still okay. talk once in a while and he's never mentioned it. So I, I think I'm good. I think I'm in the clear. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I won't get you in trouble. I promise. If, if not, then uh, I, you know, he, he could pay me for all those hours I spent interning for him. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking with James Rapine of SI dot now, uh, SI now and all Bengals dot uh, com. Um, we've talked about Whitney Merciless. We've talked about Chris Evans. We need to we need to talk about the Baltimore Ravens here, James, and what the Bengals need to do get to get over the hump. And one thing that surprised me doing my research for this podcast, I went back and I looked at the numbers from last year. Uh, in Baltimore, because the last game of the year, Lamar Jackson ran crazy and it was a 38 three butt whipping. And but the Bengals, that wasn't 
you know, by any shape or form, even in a four and 11, uh, one season that was not representative of what the Bengals really are. Um, I went back and looked at the game in week five in Baltimore and around the same time on the schedule, this is going to be week seven. And the, that game, there were a couple of things that stood out to me. One surprised me. One nearly shocked me. Time of possession. You know what time of possession in that game was, James? I don't. 34-39 for Cincinnati. 34-39 for Cincinnati. 25-21 for Baltimore. Lamar Jackson was 19 of 37 for 180 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. He was not spectacular in that game throwing the ball. He wasn't great running the ball. He carried twice. He had two official carries for three yards and uh, a long of seven because uh, he had a couple of uh, he had another run uh, for a loss uh, way behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, so he really didn't kill him with the legs. The Bengals killed themselves in this game, and that's what they need to avoid doing this Sunday at M&T Bank Stadium. For sure. And, you know, that, that's a big part of it. Now, I do think Lamar was dinged up. As you were talking about that game, I, I went back to week five last year because they all run together, as you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they oh, do. that's right. I, I think he was dinged up a little bit going into that game, which might describe the, the running portion of it. But to your point, this defense is as athletic as they've ever been. And I think, and I asked Zach this, he didn't say this. I think they built this defense to try to stop Lamar Jackson. I do. Athletic linebackers, experienced secondary, good tackling secondary. How many people talk about right. cornerbacks that can tackle? They always worry about cover. You did in New cover. England. I, I will I will pipe in here and tell you that uh, we talked about tackling in the secondary every single week when we were talking yeah. to Bill Belichick or Matt Patricia, whoever it was. Uh, we talked about tackling in the secondary. And that is, you're absolutely 100% right that um, that is one area the Bengals really improved in the offseason, especially with Chidobe uh, Ouzier. And, um, you know, we talk about Von Bell. He was great last year tackling in the secondary, but that is, he's, you know, taking that up another notch. They're just much improved uh, tackling. For sure. And, and so that obviously should help them in this matchup. But you're right. I mean, I, I assume, and I, again, I didn't look back at the box score like you did, but turnovers probably killed them. I know Burrow struggled against the different pressures and things like that. And so now he's 16 games into his NFL career and he's seen a lot of different things. And a few weeks ago, we heard him say, you can't zero me. Well, we'll see from a, you know, a real team that isn't one in five, that's five in one, that's going to be playing in January. If, if they can zero him and this is a great test, it's a great test for the defense. Like I mentioned with Lamar and then offensively, and this is kind of my concern more so than Lamar Jackson, Mike is, are they ready for the disguises and the different ways that the Ravens are going to try to pressure Burrow and hit Burrow because, man, like I, there was a free runner the other day in Detroit where he, it's just Burrow snaps it and empty and he gets brought down to the ground in about a second and a half, has no time. That can't happen against Baltimore. The sack in the red zone can't happen against Baltimore because on that next play, late in the game, uh, before the Uzama touchdown, uh, because oh, that, yes. the next play, uh, the dump off to Chris Evans, that's not going to go 17 yards down to the two. I don't think that's so. going to go. That's going to go four yards, and he's going to get pummeled. It's this is the Baltimore Ravens. So, so if here's you get, the point. If, go here's ahead. Here's the point, James. And not to cut you off, but I love to do that to people. Um, 
the Bengals need to stay ahead of the sticks. And it's a football cliche, but the way you beat a fundamentally sound team like Baltimore, especially beat them on the road, is you don't fall behind the sticks. It's probably after not turning the ball over. Patrick Queen had that 53-yard fumble return for the touchdown last year against the Bengals in Baltimore. But uh, after not turning the ball over, the number two thing is don't take huge negative plays and don't take many negative plays at all. That I'm not watching the Burrow sack that you're talking about in the third quarter there. I tweeted and I thought at the time maybe I was being a little too harsh, but it was a terrible sack for Burrow to take because Mm -hmm. like to your point, if you take that sack in Baltimore, you're not going to be able to recover. And if you take a sack like that and you're at the 25 and it gets pushed back to the 42, it's going to be kicking a field goal, even though you have Evan McPherson, that is going to be problematic. And that is one thing I think the Bengals need to work on this week to make sure that they have they have plays designed for taking little bites, little nibbles, but moving down the field and not trying to think that they have to get huge explosive plays against Baltimore. I mean, if they're there, they're there, but I would be more impressed if the Bengals were able to move the ball consistently little by little and not and eat up the clock and not take negative plays. And that's something this offense has struggled with all year. Very right? much they, so. They were, they, they were better in the second half against Detroit, but it's Detroit. They were better in the second half against Jacksonville. It was Jacksonville. Outside of that, I, I don't really know what this offense is outside of, hey, Jamar, save us. And that can't right. happen. And the, so the game against ha- the Steelers, I go back and forth on this, James. The game against the Steelers, I thought there were moments where they looked like a legitimate team that was ready to show that they're going to be a contender in the AFC North. Uh, yeah, I mean, you beat a team 24 to 10 on the road, and it's Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to be said for that. And I thought the sure. defense came through big. And like we said a couple of minutes ago, the defense is going to have to come through big again to play complimentary football on the road and give this offense a chance to not have to feel like it has to, that it has to score, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can't fall behind the sticks and you certainly can't fall behind on the scoreboard big. Yeah, and you're right on both, both accounts. And so that starts at the start and getting off to a quick start which is another thing they haven't done. It's they a cliche, scored. but it's true. It's, yeah, it's it, very true. And, you know, they got off to a quick start uh, against Detroit, and then they fell apart. And I, did, I didn't understand. We were sitting next to each other in the press box, and I kept mm-hmm. tapping you on your right shoulder and to the point where you were like, oh, Jesus, Trax, stop, stop bothering me. I'm trying to write. Um, no, but I kept tapping you on the shoulder like, what are they doing? What, yeah. Why is Burrow struggling against this Lions defense? Mm-hmm. And it, it's it can't happen, right? And you, you can't have seven points or even, honestly, 10 is probably the minimum in that first half that you can have against Baltimore to be around. Because Lamar, he's a lot like Aaron Rodgers. I said this a ton a couple of weeks ago. And people are going to be like, what do you mean he's a lot like Aaron Rodgers? You may do a great job against Lamar. And you're going to look up and he's going to have 17 points at halftime, right? And it, they're just, they, they find ways to score. And you could be up 10 at halftime or 17 at halftime, much like the Colts were. Yeah, I was just going to bring that game ago. up. Yep. And 
these Ravens, Lamar's like, okay, I might have just thrown a pick six, or I might have just fum- a, a fumble ruski, right? It, it, I might have done it, and I'm going to recover, and and they're going to go down and score and score and score again. So it, it's they got to obviously turnovers are going to be huge, but that quick start in in sustaining drives to where yeah you may only have 10 points but both of those drives were 7 minutes and 6 minutes and and so and then you had two drives that went 4 minutes and 2 minutes so now you you're leading in time of possession and even if you're down 14 to 10 you feel pretty good about it because as we know the Bengals are going to win the coin toss and they'll get the ball to start the third quarter 6 and 0 that's that's weird that is just really bizarre and in a couple of games it's mattered like actually against Detroit it mattered because they got the field goal right before halftime and then they were able to do the thing that coaches love to do uh started with Bill Belichick in New England get that score after halftime and those are you know that is 10 minutes of scoring and if you maximize it that's 14 points in 10 minutes that shifts the entire game and the Bengals on Sunday in Detroit were able to get uh, 10 points in that eight to 10 minute period. Okay. One more thing, Mark Andrews, how confident are you that Von Bell or whoever, but probably Von Bell, uh, is going to have a better time this year, uh, covering him. I'll believe it when I see it much like this defense containing Lamar Jackson, a healthy Lamar Jackson, an explosive in the running for another MVP, Lamar Jackson, to be quite frank with you, I don't think he's number one. You know, Kyler Murray probably number one, but Lamar's right there uh, to me through six weeks. Um, Mark Andrews is a problem, and he's, uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to guard him one-on-one. Maybe they do tr- decide to try to, to double him at times, and it's not just a, a Von Bell. I, I certainly don't you think. You chip him with can, a linebacker, it can maybe. Be, yeah, maybe, right? You, you find ways to just knock him off his route and make it tough on him because if he gets going, it's going to open things up. And I, I will say this. We did see some Chidobe Awujie on TJ Hawkinson on Sunday. Just a little bit, but we did. I wonder if they, they throw him at him once in a while. And I would say Jesse Bates. I don't think Bates is a great like one-on-one cover guy. I think no, he I don't think that's what, how they want to use him. I think they yeah. want to use him as a quarterback of the defense. I mean, I'm not saying he couldn't do it. Uh, but that's where, what do you think about Ricardo Allen? Yeah. And, and so now we're getting into this three safety look, which to me makes a ton of sense against the Ravens. Agree, right? That's why I brought him up. Because you got three athletes, guys that can run, guys that can cover, and Bates, Bell, and Allen, and they're going to hit you, and they're going to be solid tackling, and you know, and all of those things. So, yeah, if if one of them gets switched, Allen's giving up a ton of size to a guy like Andrews, but getting him on the field and having that three safety look. It could go a long way in slowing down the Ravens' rushing attack and hopefully, for their sake, keeping Mark Andrews in check. Hollywood Brown. Concerned. Not a big no. deal. Speed's scary, I, you know, but that's why that's why you do have Jesse Bates. And, and uh, you know, Chidobe Awujie, maybe you have him follow Brown um, d- just to make sure he doesn't do much. But, but I think, uh, you know, Cheeto is certainly capable of containing him and uh, if you do that, then uh, you know you're going to have to figure out the Andrews plan. But they don't really have any other proven wide receivers that you're worried about. I, I don't know if Sammy Watkins is going to play this week. Rashad Bateman came back last week, the first rounder, and I liked him coming out of the draft. But you know he just made his NFL debut, so how how dominant will he be? And the other thing here is 
Um, you know, will we see Trey Flowers this week? I think that's going to be, I, I think he'll mm. be active, certainly, but what, be. what will his role and, be? And he is a big corner. He's he six is. foot three. Giant. And you want to talk about tackling. He's a good tackler, so he, he's going to help you in that area. And I think that's why they liked adding someone like him. Size, physical, will tackle, and you question, you know, Eli Apple's ability to do that at times. Yeah, you do. And, and, and I think Eli Apple is starting to improve. I really do. I know that. Um, I think it was Charlie Goldsmith of uh, the Cincinnati Inquirer brought that up that uh, in our conference call uh, on Monday with uh, Zach Taylor that uh, Eli Apple is showing some improvement and he's showing uh, the work ethic needed to you know help the secondary a little bit more uh, his first couple of weeks and anybody who turned on the tape knows he struggled he struggled badly but he's improved and maybe he becomes a guy a nickel or a dime. Uh, corner for this team and and that's fine if he can contribute in that way and he's not hurting the team that's great you don't want to ex- overexpose him either uh and it'll be interesting to see how the cincinnati secondary comes through it's great catching up with you james uh what are you guys working on anything oh, in particular uh you know daily unlocked on Bengals, and you know we'll get our, our film review in the all 22 film review on wednesday's show and then it's you know, on to, on to Baltimore and, and looking ahead and, and doing the crossover and everything that we do weekly. So, uh, yeah, the only Daily Bengals podcast. And then at all Bengals, if, the, if there's anything I think Bengals fans are going to like or, or, or want to see or read about, I write about it. So I, I try to make it a one-stop shop for Bengals fans. And you do a great job of that. The Bengals looking for their first win in Baltimore since the end of the 20. 20- 18 season, right? The uh, season that got the Buffalo Bills into the playoffs and Andy Dalton got a lifetime supply of wings from uh, the city of Baltimore, correct? It was 2018, my memory, right? It, or it's so 2017. Their, their, their last win over the Ravens was 2018, but that was at the, the beginning of the season with Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson's rookie year. Before that, the, I believe it was the 2017 season is when they did beat the Ravens. And, and you're right, the lifetime supply of wings and everything like that with Dalton Dalton to Boyd. Uh, certainly, there's a lot more than just wings on the line when the two teams meet at M&T Bank Stadium this Sunday afternoon. It'll be fun to be there. It'll be fun to probably be, again, sitting next to you and tapping you on the shoulder and annoying you as I am wont to do. <laughs> oh, I'm going to annoy the hell out of you on, on this weekend. Crabcake City. Oh, uh, gonna, I, by the way, oh. bring an appetite. Do not junk up at the airport on Saturday when you or Friday, whenever it is you are at the airport, save your appetite for Saturday night before the game, because it is something to behold, something to savor. Baltimore crab cakes, nothing better. I can't wait. I'm excited. You see, you've been to Baltimore many a times between, you know, big matchups, Ravens, Patriots. It's my first time there. So you're going to have to show me around. Uh, by the way, one of the best sight lines, the working sight lines in any press box in the National Football League. You'll love it unless they've changed it, but I don't think they have. I got gotcha. you. All right. I'm going to hold you to it now, Mike. If it's not a good sight line, then I'm going to you know throw you overboard. That'll be what I do. We could, I could have done that at Ford Field, by the way. Hey, I mean, had was... you thrown me overboard, I would have dropped about uh, 200 feet straight down. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. You look down, you're like, man, this is like a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, drags don't get... Uh, angry upset or go on a rant and throw something over because it's going to go down a long long way if you do it won't come back (laughs) well i want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of the jungle roar podcast 
and thank the uh, one and only James Rapine. Follow him on Twitter, all one word, J-A-M-E-S-R-A-P-I-E-N. Of course, follow his outstanding work at SINow.com and allbengals.com, and he has one of the best Bengals podcasts out there anywhere, and that's coming from somebody who is pretty... Uh, pretty filled with pride on the jungle roar podcast but seriously locked on bengals a great daily bengals podcast and as far as this podcast is concerned the jungle roar podcast you can download it anywhere you download your favorite uh, podcasts like apple stitcher and spotify for james rapine i'm mike petralia and this has been the jungle roar podcast